Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we're lucky enough to have Michael Barbouche with us. Michael is the founder and CEO of Ford Health Group, which is a population health analytics company based in, in Madison. So I'm actually in Michael's office today, which is great having a, uh, to be interview in person. So uh, Michael has a deep background in healthcare data analytics, and he's in the middle of using data to make better informed health decisions. So I'm pretty pumped to learn more exactly what they're doing. So Michael, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Hey man, thanks for coming by. So did I slaughter your last name? It's all or... good, Barbouche. All right, right, I got it. All right. Woo. Yeah. Um, so let's get uh, get right into it, and uh, it'd be really interesting to hear about your background um, and kind of what led you to uh, starting Ford Health Group. Uh, you know, in brief, um, I uh, I went uh, very proud. Badger alum, I hey, uh, went to the UW, and uh, I was a pretty confused, but probably <laughs> okay, smart kid. I studied math and I studied huh? history, pretty divergent paths. I don't get a lot of use day to day from the 19th century French history, but uh, <laughs> I do lean on it on a pretty regular occasion. So uh, outside of Stendhal and Baudelaire, um, I was just looking at algebra as my path forward, and then I had an old professor, 89 years old at the time, that took me under his wing and said, I'm going to put you to work. And uh, I ended up getting involved in several activities on campus related to UW Hospital and its privatization. And I got the healthcare bug. I ended up... Uh, what were some of those projects? Do you remember? What was one well, I mean, it was like, you know, I remember sitting uh, uh, at the hospital in the eighth floor conference room and questioning... This document I was looking at, I'm like, I know business, but there are so many zeros here. This possibly can't be a balance sheet. They, they don't have that much money in healthcare, uh, you know. And this this income statement, well, they don't make that. I'm reading it wrong, clearly. Um, so uh, it was just fascinating, and I was the only student really in the mix. Uh, this was a long time ago, twenty some years ago, and um, I don't know. I just got the healthcare bug, yeah. um, and then went on to. Uh, grad school immediately in a field that I didn't understand then, I still don't think I understand it today, called <laughs> health services research. Um, I was basically trained as a, a health economist, but really just from a data background, using my math. Um, I, um, I set out uh, a bit prematurely from grad school uh, with no real work experience, and uh, I, I had a very Forrest Gump-like journey. I'm married to a general internal medicine doctor. And at yeah. the time, we were you know, engaged to be married. Um, she was in medical school okay. in the great state of Oklahoma. Uh, so I started my career there. And I worked on the payer side, the provider side, the research side, the government side. Uh, and everywhere I went, the data just stunk. <laughs> it was really crappy. And uh, it was quite poor. And uh, so I bumbled around. I made some mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. So, um, what do, do you remember any of those mistakes? Oh, yeah. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> the state of Oklahoma um, produced, uh, you know, in printer speak, a four-color, glossy, fifty-page brochure comparing the state's indemnity plan, like the state's owned insurance plan, okay. versus these nascent HMOs. And uh, I thought the methodology was flawed, so I made them shred them all. Ninety-four thousand copies, shredded the whole thing. Three pallets, just. <sighs> You know, oh my a couple hundred grand in printing costs. I'm like, we're not going to introduce bias to the market. So, um, oh, and I made a lot wow. of the dumb mistakes. I, you know, I was 
working with the legislature there, we were passing a lot of laws and bills, but I didn't understand protocol. I didn't understand the rules. I spoke <laughs> out of turn. Uh, I interrupted legislators when they were in session, a bunch of other stuff that you just, but when you don't have a rule book and nobody tells you what the rules are, that's what yeah. you end up doing. So I like it. All right. Yeah, it was a great way to learn. Okay. Um, so my wife and I moved to Madison in 1996 and we've been here ever since. Um, and, um, you know, really for me, how all of Ford Health came about, um, I, I had a lot of work, you know, in and around different uh, healthcare settings, as I mentioned. Um, early 2000s, we were starting our family, and I think I had delusions of entrepreneurialism um, that I, you know, wasn't quite going to be able to meet, didn't quite have the right idea. Um, but in 2004, um, I was asked to participate in a project, something that was a very important contribution by our state called the Wisconsin Collaborative for Healthcare Quality, WCHQ.org, a wonderful website, really the country's first ever public reporting website. Huh. And um, I was very fortunate to be part of that and uh, upset a lot of people there too along the way, but in the name of progress and getting us to an end goal. So we kind of built this website, we built this measurement approach, and we gathered a lot of data about outcomes. Okay. And that really helped put a lens on a baseline, if you would, on how, as a state, we were do doing in areas like diabetes and hypertension and colonoscopy screening and the like. So, so what are the example like around diabetes or another area that, that the website well, uh, I mean, showed? So like blood sugar control, blood pressure control, cholesterol, and the like, important okay. components of managing diabetes. But in 2004, that was really an era that kind of preceded in large part the advent of electronic records. Okay. Most of the systems hadn't gone down that path. Um, the employer community and the payer community, the, the those who buy healthcare were like, we, we wanna get to outcomes. Hmm. We don't, we don't wanna look at just kind of superficial process measures. We wanna understand how patients are doing. And that challenge and that charge was very important. And I took it to heart and I said, well, you know, there's also the challenge of, you know, for my wife, who's a practicing primary care doc, if I just say to her, well, you're somewhere in the range of 42 to 68 and you're in the middle tier or, you know, you're 48.7, she's going to say 48.7 what? And be quite unhappy if you can <laughs> give the full list of all of her patients to her. So being a math guy, I was like, well, I don't think I'm ever getting consensus on what the numerator will be, what standard, 140, 130, 120 for the blood pressure. I'm not a clinician, wasn't going to be my role to resolve that. But nobody ever talked about the denominator. I said, well, let me work on that. I'm an algebra guy, and so we built the denominator. What do you mean by that? Who are the patients that have diabetes? Okay. Not, yeah, what, yeah. not what standard yeah. they should be measured it hmm. to, but who had diabetes? Okay. Who was in the pot? And by getting that figured out, we were able to kind of look and, if you would, kind of apples to apples, at least say, we've got 6,200 over here in this system, 4,400 in this system, you know, 9,000 in this other system, 400 over there. And it allowed us to work on kind of the more substantive data challenges that were really important for the project to succeed. So we got the website up. It was a great success, spent a lot of time trying to educate across the state, and um, I was just struck. I mean, we had kind of solved this great riddle. We had built out a way to look at measurement yeah. and 
really set a baseline and then come back a year later and see whether or not you move the needle. But I would meet with my wife and her friends and others, dinner and what have you, and say, hey, what are you doing uh, with your list of those diabetes patients? And she would say, I don't have a list. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and there were many of the people that uh, now um, help us run Ford Health Group that were part of those conversations, mm -hmm. including a friend of mine, uh, John Studebaker, who's a physician and had been in medical school with my wife long ago. And I was like, John, what are we missing here? What are we doing wrong? He's like, I don't know. I, I mean, one would think this data would be available, um, but it simply wasn't. Because were they supposed to work with it? Were, were they supposed to get sent that data for their patients, or how were they supposed to? Well, that was the data? mystery question. Okay, right? what were they going to do with it? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it's like we 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 got to the end game. You know, <laughs> yeah. here you are, and you yeah. need to make it better. And I was yeah. like, so what are you doing to make it better? Yeah. I never uh, do anything. No. Well, it was it was this block of the data flow and the data migration and other things and. And again, people were, you know, starting to get quite busy with the idea of installing an electronic record, which was very important and needed to be done. But I kept saying, well, shouldn't we have the list of patients, you know, who got gaps in care kind of bubbling up to the surface? And that was just a very difficult challenge mm -hmm. at that time. So we started Forward Health Group in 2009 to really address that kind of, that measurement gap, that kind of, aha, you know, we need to figure out which patients aren't doing very well and figure out a plan to do something about it. And we should probably have a new service or a new solution or a new program or a new intervention and then we should measure whether or not we did that well. Um, and so that's the kind of the model in which we started. We, we said, gosh, you know, we're here in Madison, the best electronic record company in all the land. Epic is based here, so yeah. we need to complement the work that they're doing. That work in and of itself will be quite busy and keep people quite full. Um, but they're still going to have to figure out, like, so what are we doing with our HIV patients? What are we going to do with, you know, our behavioral health population? There's a bunch of questions. And now as we look, you know, forward in, you know, 2016 and beyond, the way we pay for health care is now going to change. We're going to pay differently. We're not going to pay just based on the number of units of service that get done. Um, and so all the more than understanding gaps and lapses and opportunities for improvement become an important part of the work that needs to get done. And, and how, back in 2009, how did you get started? Uh, and who was your first client and what did you do for them? And did you raise any money or just kind of bootstrap it initially? So I questions, but. Yeah, I mean, we were actually kind of getting phone calls before that from venture capitalists and others oh, really? saying, hey, you guys figured out the riddle about how to get that data. Why don't you start a company and sell that data to pharma? I'm like, Mm, no. Uh, would you give a copy to my wife, though? And then we could figure out how to sell it. No, we don't think that's important. We don't think you should do that. I'm like, I think it's really important. Yeah. And so there wasn't a, a, a you know, a lot of alignment there. Um, we actually, uh, you know, not the best business people, to be sure. You don't necessarily <laughs> start a company in June of 2009. Yes, perfect timing. In, uh, yeah. you know, the economic cycle. Uh I, I can't put into words uh, the support um, and the sacrifice that the team uh, that's still with us made. Um, we bootstrapped for the first five years of this company. Wow. Um, and there really weren't anybody uh, uh, raising, their, nobody was raising their hand saying, I got to get paid. Uh, I'm, I'm the one that needs to be paid a lot. Um, we, we just, we had a, a sacrifice that, uh, we had a, a 
a commitment and a dedication that I just, I can't put into words mm. and I could never really repay. Um, we had our first client, which was a public hospital, um, within a couple of months. And uh, that was focused on um, some pretty at-risk HIV patients. And from there, we just began to move upstream. Um, but we wanted to start with challenging groups like HIV and other areas that were maybe, let's say, not the mainstream. Um, because in part, if we could um, get the work and get the data done for a group like that, then it would probably make sense that we could do orthopedics or cardiology, kind of more of the mainstream groups. So okay. part of it was also to kind of test our metal and test our approach. And so, and what we did, I mean, in part, you know, how in 2009 it was like, well, gosh, um, these tools you built as Ford Health are really cool. I've never seen that before. What, what type of tools? Uh, we built yeah. some data visualizations. Oh, we we okay. built some other ways to kind of canvas okay. through the data. Um, but when we would meet with prospects, they were like, wow, that's cool. But they weren't buying anything. There wasn't a, <laughs> uh, there was no question about buying it. There was no budget. There was no CFO showing up at the meeting asking hard questions. Um, you know, we were ahead of the market. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I certainly say that was the case through 2012, 2013, wow. 2014. That's good and bad. <laughs> it's hard, but. Uh, well, I think we knew, yeah. and, and what it allowed us to do was instead just focus on our craft. Yeah, yeah. So we, we knew how to get the data, we knew how to get it cleaned up, and like, well, what would you do with it? And so we built tools and we built solutions that we knew would be compelling and knew would be intuitive. Um, and, and you know, we had a lot of time to really focus and do right by our clients. Because uh, we weren't under a time pressure, there wasn't a big chunk of revenue to go out and be yeah. made. Um, and so we were, you know, in a very fortunate place to get very good at our craft. And, and with the HIV project, or a different one early on, did you go in there saying, hey, let's just look at the data and we probably can find something? Or did you have, like, in the, very early on in the engagement, did you have, like, defined outcomes? Like, this is what we're looking for. This is... That's uh, a great question. I mean, yeah. here we are today in 2016. And we literally, last night at a dinner with my team, we were talking about this very phenomenon, which is even today the practices don't know what they should measure. Um, and, and there's this whole mountain of uh, quality performance measures that get published hourly, it seems, but none of them really seem to work. They're all about hmm. trying to hold people to task. But in my language, um, you know, those are a bunch of numerators people are throwing out. Nobody's really focused on the denominator. And so we say, okay... Well, there's a thousand new numerator standards, but how's the population doing? How's the denominator doing? And let's track and trend over time a bunch of these and see how they're doing. And, and let's understand which ones work and which ones don't. Um, and then from there, see where, see where the practice might go. So, you know, I would characterize what we do today and where we sit is really a company that is um, there to help stakeholders, be it the health system, the physician group, the hospital, the health plan, the researcher, the government or others engage with and understand how improvement occurs and, and how difficult that is in the healthcare space. And when you go into a, a project or engagement, are you uh, serving one of those parties or are you, uh, help, are you usually dealing with a, a number of stakeholders? I think invariably more and more it's, it's 
a plurality of stakeholders. So that's, a, that's a tough process. So you, you have big meetings sometimes. You have big meetings. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really about these, you know, tectonic plates coming together, yeah. right? The health plans and the health systems kind of have to figure out how to work together. It's going to be a very new world order together. Mm -hmm. uh, most challenging and sometimes fun for me being married to a physician, I have to say to my wife and, and her clinical friends, you know, we might enter an era where the health plans are the good guys. I mean, almost unheard of, you know, <laughs> can't even imagine it. But a lot of this is about healthcare trying to figure out how to correct itself and, and improve things. And, and um, there's plenty of research and, and plenty of articles that have been in the newspapers that reflect that, you know, we spend a lot of money and we don't get a lot of good care for that. Um, it's time to try to bring some of those things into balance. So from a, a macro view, do you have a kind of a vision for where healthcare should go? Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I was trained by some very uh, esteemed economists and, uh, you know, they, they trained me very, very well that the only uh, model for the country to go forward was an individual mandate, otherwise what we would call the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Mm -hmm. The idea of being insured um, and mandating insurance as an independent uh, task and an independent responsibility was the most conservative tenant of healthcare I had ever known. Yeah. The fact that people think it's the opposite of that is, is interesting. Um, I believe we spend too much on healthcare. I believe as an economy we should spend less. Those are pretty uh, harsh sentences uh, for me to make, but uh, that's what our philosophy is, that's what my belief is. I, would love to see us spend less on healthcare and spend more on schools and roads and all these other things that have uh, had to be cut because of that. Well, it makes sense. I mean, we've all seen the stats of how much more we spend per person versus other you bet. maybe health, arguably healthier nations, and yeah. which makes sense. So, I, I mean, that's a, a valid goal and vision, and that's good that you're helping move that forward at Ford yeah. Health Group. Um, so, what what type of organizations do you work with now? Is it mainly hospitals? Do you work with health insurers? Or? Yes and yes, yes okay. and others as well. Others so. what, who else? I think, yeah. you know, we, we fit into a space um, where stakeholders, because of the amount of money and the amount of effort and the amount of energy that goes into healthcare, are needing and wanting to understand how to look at outcomes, how to look at trajectories of patients, how to look at did this work, did this not work, does this thing work, does it not work, and the like. Um, and so much money gets spent on things with potential and promise, but we don't often know if they work. Um, so our clients include directly hospitals and health systems, big and small, uh, esteemed research groups like the American Heart Association and others. Uh, we work with health plans. We work with really a broad spectrum of stakeholders wow. that fit into the healthcare arena all of whom in some form or another need to get in on this flow of clinical data, um, but not necessarily to know the names of the patient and need to call them, but to understand, you know, from a tracking and trending perspective, you know, where are things going, does this work, does it not work, and the like. And uh, your platform is called Population Manager? You bet. Right? Okay. Um, yeah. Pretty simple name uh, that was a very <laughs> easy URL to get a long time ago. Um, we were just trying uh, to literally say, what would it be? What would we do? And they're like, well, wouldn't you manage a population? And, you know, URL speak back in the day, that was pretty intuitive. And, and it remains as such today. I mean, 
um, you know, what we're talking about is going from paying for healthcare one patient at a time, one service at a time, to one population at a time. Mm -hmm. And so it was a pretty simple mm -hmm. step for us, although there wasn't, again, a market for this to say, well, aren't we really going to be in the population management business? So therefore, shouldn't our URL be population manager? <laughs> and of course, you know, we went out and it was fully available. Nobody was... That's amazing. Going, now it would not be available. No, no, nobody was worried about those titles no. back then. Um, so again, we were a little bit early. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we thought, okay, the right way to talk about this is to say it's simply about managing a bulk of patients, a group of patients, not one patient at a time. And what's the platform entail? You, you earlier mentioned visualization tools. Um, does it have like adapters to bring in data from databases, or what? What is the? What's That's the a great question. Yeah. Um, so it is a purely just a visualization okay. layer, um, and it's one that we've entirely built by hand. Uh, mm -hmm. We're big believers in the power of data visualization, but all the cool, fun stuff that's out there, we don't do any of that. We build some really basic, really simple stuff because that's what our users have told us they need. Um, and I think when you look at our tools and you begin to use them, particularly if you understand clinical care, it makes sense. Although we have training and manuals and videos, none of our users gravitate to them. They, they're off and running because they already know what to do. It's presenting information in a way that they could rapidly consume it. To the data, it's really just the visualization layer is just simply reflecting the you know, kind of curated and derived metadata that we have cleaned up and presented back. We don't build any interfaces, we don't build any APIs, we don't do any live connections to bring the data in. We can do that, but we don't require that. Um, in order to kind of get that real-time flow of data, you need to think about spending real-time dollars on IT resources and the like. Again, you know, to our approach, we can point to a group of patients and reveal a whole mountain of gaps hmm. that doesn't, you know, require any interface. What do you mean by a whole mountain of gaps? You know, when we turn on and we show how many patients need a colonoscopy or how many patients have poor blood pressure management or how many people that should be on a drug that aren't, you know, it can be in the thousands of patients. These are big, big operational challenges. Wow. They're big gaps to fill. And you know, you're not gonna really need to update in real time a bunch of information about a patient's, you know, body mass index, BMI. I mean, if you have a whole slew of patients who are quite over obese, that doesn't change tomorrow. If, if you update that BMI every five minutes, it's not gonna change the <laughs> fact that you've gotta put them on a life correction course to bring that down or to bring the blood pressure down, to bring the blood sugar under control and the like. And so it's about understanding what are our goals at a population level and what are the data inputs we need to see how we're doing. And, and again, for us, we're meant to be a rich complement, a balance um, to what you're already doing and should be doing real time in your electronic record. We're not here in any manner to compete with the electronic record. We're here to support that and really help refine the use of that tool. Yeah, yeah. We're not here to compete with that in any way. And can you, I'm curious, can you, uh, do you have a case there? Can you walk us through kind of a typical, well, no project's probably typical, but walk us through a project, like with a health insurer or hospital or whoever you, and like how you started and like, you know, you know, if you can keep this anonymous if you want, and what, you know, what questions would you ask and then like, how would you figure out 
what to tackle. Like, do they usually come, like, kind of like my question before, do they usually come with you with questions, or do you start asking them questions and then? So, I, 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 you know, three quick responses. Yeah. Um, the first is, as we see how we pay for healthcare, reimbursement shift, there's more and more awareness on the hospitals, the physician groups, and the health system side that they best be doing something. There's a whole new mountain of um, demands being put out on those groups to send in data, to send in summaries, to give us results. Um, that burden um, is scary hmm. to a lot of the groups, and it, it's hard for them. Um, so a lot of them are calling simply to get help and to get started there. So it's like reporting almost. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're not, they don't know what to ask for. Somebody's already asked them. Okay, <laughs> right, uh, right. So that's, right. that's number one. Number two is really more around, uh, wow, you know, we've got this wonderful electronic record, um, but we're not sure where we're supposed to be doing. And you know, <laughs> for us then, it's really around helping them realize and maximize that investment. We, we want them, you know, as a system and even as the leadership group that wrote the check to say, this thing's paying us dividends now. So how are we know even where to start? I mean, it sure. might, be, it might I mean, be a, that's a big. Well, so there are so many places yeah. to start. Yeah. But a lot of what makes sense today is to focus on areas, again, that are going to be tethered to that reimbursement shift. So there are some simple things like, okay, how are we doing at the management of chronic care, chronic disease, right? We have a product that just gets you started right in that. Just boom, chronic care. Just your bread and butter, hypertension, diabetes, and the like. The so, things that would correlate with just about every incentive program that anybody could create. And that just brings up like the people who are most vulnerable or who are, who are do, do, you, do you have a list of like chronic um, uh, We have libraries of all yeah. the measures under the sun you could create and okay. we actually encourage the practices to build their own, okay. um, but you know, what we're trying to help them do is get beyond the kind of initial kind of canvas of the clinical side to go a couple steps deeper into, so what, what's driving this? You know, what are the challenges? Um, we have a remarkable group that we work with in Milwaukee, the AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin. They've blown past the clinical side and management of HIV. And now they're looking and challenging the heck out of us and themselves looking at dental as an area for infection. Really? Transportation wow. and depression. These are remarkable things. They don't really have anything to do with electronic record. I mean, they're outside of the four walls of electronic record, but they're saying, look, these are the dimensions that also correlate with the challenges our patients face. Hmm. So we have to do that. Um, Interesting. The third part to your question from long ago, <laughs> so it, it really comes down to... Um, and it's a minority today, but those who want to take control, those who want to own their destiny. And this to us, I think, is the most important, which, you know, we're in this really important time for healthcare, one that we've never been in before, where the, those who get their data together can kind of set their course and set their path. That may be for another two or three or four years tops, but they, those who can get their data together and say, Here's how we define quality, here's how we define progress, here's what our priorities are, and are willing to share their data and put their data out there, um, have a real chance to, to get ahead. And those are the groups that we most want to support. Okay. And who, would they share their data internally or with ex 
externally? I think it's both. I mean, yeah. internally, they need to learn how to share it at full depth and the right people at the right time. Externally, they might only share it in an aggregate view, like kind of overall, and maybe only on a quarterly basis, let's say. But the idea is to bring in as many stakeholders as possible and say, help us, give us the right incentives, give us the right support across the community so we can move the needle in the right gotcha. direction. So if a healthcare organization came to you and said, hey, we have all this data, we want to be the leaders, you would essentially start kind of with that chronic care and then move we might. Or, whatever, or try to figure out what kind of the low-hanging fruit or what's going to have the most value. Yeah. We were really focused as a company on seeing if we can drive physician engagement. Hmm. Um, we think that's very important. And, and the reason, maybe it's because I married one. Um, <laughs> but we think that getting the docs to trust the data is an important initial hurdle. You've got to get over that hurdle. We don't think the docs are going to be the ones to do the work. But if they think the data is bunk, if they think the data is just a wreck, you're not going to get very far. And so there's a big part of our work is essentially getting that initial confidence and trust from the physicians and then moving out the data at scale to schedulers and to nurses and medical mm. assistants and clinic managers and others and say, go do something. Go get it done. Interesting. Well, that makes sense. I never thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, have you seen where that makes a difference? When, after you, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, part of the challenge, though, is that uh, you, you kind of turn on this data, you reveal these gaps, and a lot of them kind of go, whoa, now what? You know, I mean, there's, there's so many things to work on. And these are big systems, and they make a lot of money, and they're very powerful. And turning those ships is not easy, and changing that culture is really not easy. And so, you know, we look at our work as kind of necessary but never sufficient. It's just about getting them started and giving them that opportunity to improve. And how do you uh, get buy-in with some of these organizations? Is it kind of the C-suite, or is it the physicians, or is it the everyone? Or it... You know, it varies by market. It's a great question. Um, I think we're always going to try to make sure we bring the docs along. But more and more now today, to really be candid to your question, I think we're looking at the CFO needing to start to have conversations with the operations leadership and the clinical leadership to say, guys, what can we pull off here? What should we go for? And that's very new. In the past, it used to be just volume-based and metric-driven and how much throughput could we get. Now it's much more about what could we perform. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Well, especially with, yeah, how healthcare is going to be paid for differently. Makes yeah. sense, yeah. It's a great time. Uh, so we're, and we've kind of talked about some, but where do you want to take uh, forward over the next five years? Do you want to um, add to the platform? What do you want to add? Um, I mean, you mentioned that you're really interested in working with uh, parties who want to kind of be the leaders in data. Yeah. But uh, what? You know, we built the company really to make a contribution in trying to help fix healthcare. We don't pass judgment. We're uh, pretty open to working with any party. Um, but we're not trying to scavenge the old world. We're trying to mm -hmm. be part of where the new world is going. Um, so, you know, I think in the area of product and product development, um, there's nothing more important for us to be working on. We need to continue to help our clients get ahead and stay ahead. You know, I'm very proud of the work that we're doing in areas right now that are still very new, behavioral health. And we just did some work uh, in opioid addiction. We have mm -hmm. a great tool to begin to understand just how and why opioid RXs uh, proliferate. And, and not passing judgment and not passing blame, but just understanding, you know, at a very simple level, how does this happen? 
Where does it happen? What are the sources of that uh, proliferation? And you know, we're looking at this and saying, when we meet with our practices, primary care, specialty care, and you sit down and say, hey, tell us what your priorities are. Talk to us. Fill us in. They'll talk about chronic care. They'll talk about you know management of new reimbursement models like bundles, and then they'll go, but opioids are kicking our butt. You know? Really? And, and you know, huh. that's sobering. And like we've, we continue to listen to the market and to our clients to understand where our product needs to, to support them. Interesting. And, and if you could say, what, what, what type of inputs go into that model to identify the issues? You know, I think what we're trying to figure out is, um, you know, for a long, long while, I used to walk around, wave my hands in the air and say there are two buckets of data. <laughs> There's administrative data, which was ubiquitous and everybody played with, and there was this new fountain called clinical data. And that was really the, the data that was unlocked and unleashed in the Wisconsin Collaborative and a big foundation of our work with our clients through Population Manager. But, you know, it occurred to us um, years ago that we weren't, really tapping into the great potential of claims data, which come from the health plans. We weren't at all tapping into the richness of data that patients would capture. Mm -hmm. So now that's ubiquitous. That's part of our world. That has to be part of our strategy and our thinking for every client is that what are all of the data sources available and how are we maximizing those? And we're not maximizing claims data, for example, in the old way I used to do in the 90s. We're taking it in a very different manner today, which is to say, how do we leverage claims to be a rich complement to the information we're already able to get from the electronic record? What does the claims reveal that the electronic record doesn't fully? And how do we dovetail those two together to see a more complete picture? Do you see the, the payers and providers sharing a lot of information more than they used to? I or think uh, they need each other yeah, really yeah, badly. Yeah. Uh, they don't trust each other. No. <laughs> uh, but the payers need the data from the providers. The providers need the data from the payers. So these guys are going to have to learn how to do that. A lot of that will come through kind of trust. I think a lot of where Forward Health Group will go over the coming years is kind of being that neutral arbiter between the plans and the providers so that the data can be swapped and shared. There will be winners. There will be losers. Um, and you know, it's, ours isn't to pass judgment. Ours isn't to pick sides. We do think the data can reveal that, and, and it should. And a lot of it will be then that you know those who take the initiative do the much harder work of trying to drive the improvement. Um, those who get ahead can really have a chance to not only stay ahead, but chart their own course. I think a lot of others are going to be uh, very, very powerfully um, moved around, jerked around, um, and it's going to be hard. We're going to go through a lot of difficult transitions. But I'd make this uh, open declaration to your podcast audience here. I mean, look in your wallet at the card that is your health insurance. All of us pay higher co-pays and co-insurance and deductibles and the like now. Um, you know, this is just a transition of where the expense for healthcare goes. And, and obviously, it's going to come on the heads of individual patients. Again, to our overall belief, we need to make healthcare more affordable, not just for the health insurance companies, but also for the patients. And cost of care can't be a barrier to receiving care. So, you know, we want to try to bring that down. And that means, sadly, some people who make a lot of money today probably won't be able to still make that amount of money mm. practicing in the way they did. They're going to have to practice in a new manner and provide care in the language of our times that aligns to value-based constructs. What would be an example of somebody having to change how they practice? 
So there are rich examples uh, of play right now where the Medicare program has essentially said to the orthopedics community, you need to make some very new good friends. The skilled nursing facilities, the home health providers, the rehab folks, the PTs and others, when you do an elective hip replacement or an elective knee replacement, the collective group of you is gonna be paid on one check. So you guys all better learn how to work together and communicate together and, and transition well together. And if there's a hiccup, you guys are gonna to have to figure it out amongst yourselves. Wow, I did not know that was coming. Or is it already here? Oh, it's, it's here. It's, it's, people are, that's happening. It's here, and it's, it's actually mandated. So mandated. it's no it's, longer it's voluntary. Yeah. All right. Wow. That'll, that's interesting. Yeah. I can see where that, a lot of organizations are going to need a need a, need you guys. Um, all right, so we're, we're nearing the end here. By a three, kind of more personal, not that personal, but um, before we uh, finish. And one is, uh, you know, do you have in general, any from starting forward health and even before that, any lessons learned for the audience, like things that you would do differently if you can, and you can pass to a, Oh gosh, yeah. uh, <laughs> how many years do you have? Yeah. Um, you have so many lessons learned. Um, you know, the thing I say to young entrepreneurs, um, and just met with a group of great young guys this morning over coffee, you know, build yourself a board, a board of directors. The, the folks that were on my board early on really gave us this opportunity. They mm -hmm. gave me support, they gave me guidance, they gave me direction. Um, they scolded me at times, um, they disciplined me, and, and they really um, gave me the, the ability for us to be here today. Um, and so getting that guidance is critical. Um, and having people that can you know, look you square in the face without fear of, you know, your friendship or your past history together and say, that's just the dumbest thing you've ever said. I can't believe <laughs> you said that. That's so important to have that. Um, you know, I think lessons learned um, as the company grows, roles change, responsibilities change. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anybody ever tells you, <laughs> ever, um, that being a CEO is really a lonely job. It costs you dearly. It costs you friendships. It costs you mm. collaborations. It costs you many things. Um, it's very hard. Um, but in the same breath, uh, the support that I received from the team, from some of my early friends and family who helped write a check to help us, you know, buy our computers and buy our insurance for not the individuals but for the office and our liability. You know, I could never repay that. And so, you know, uh, now. In uh, you know real kind of looking back in the rearview mirror, we'd not be here if it weren't for just this amazing amount of support. And uh, I just I'm grateful, very grateful. So, well, those are some good lessons. Thank thank you. And uh, well, you kind of already answered one, but my next one was, uh, did you have any mentors or who they were? And but it sounds like the board. Well, starting a board, and, yeah. and more importantly, the advice was have the board be not somebody that came to your wedding. You don't go bowling with them. Um, you know, you don't have pizza with them or the like. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, new, fresh faces that can challenge you. Uh, but I had many other mentors. I mean, I, I have a photo up here of my old French history professor uh, who was the very first person to show confidence in me. He's since huh. passed away. But uh, Ed Gargan uh, grabbed this shaggy-haired kid who was afraid to write, believe mm -hmm. it or not, and pulled him out of the shadows and said, write me an essay right now. And you know that type of stuff 
it was very helpful. Uh, there were others along the way that you know taught me about um, business and this journey and the like. That you know was just very helpful. I think I, I never fancied myself to be some uh, CEO type, um, but the the support, the mentoring, the training I received along the way in my jobs very much helped me get there. You know, I hope that for our employees, most of all, they feel that this is a safe environment, they feel that it's an open environment, and it's one where they feel free to innovate. Because I think innovation, particularly for healthcare right now, is the most important thing. Huh. Yeah, well, you have a great, you have a great office. It's a, it's a definitely cool office when I walked in here. I like it. Yeah, um, cool. We love it too. Yeah. And uh, one last question, this is mainly for the Madison folks, is uh, do you, what's one of your favorite restaurants do you like around here? Well, goodness. Um, you can name two. Don't worry more. That's well, uh, my kids uh, would be quite unhappy uh, based on how I answer this question because there's a real dispute. So okay. let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, you know, let, let's break it down into um, to structures. Yeah, let's analyze this uh, a little bit. Let, let's get down <laughs> in the weeds. I think if it's just... Uh, my lovely bride and me heading out for dinner. We're gonna uh, we're gonna probably hit one of the places uh, in and around the square, you know, Nostrano or Four Quarter, something like that. Nice. Um, we nice. don't we don't get out as much for dinner as we need to. <laughs> um, if uh, if the kids are with us though, uh, which is more often the case, then it's a, it's a big dispute, and, and we're. Uh, <laughs> We're open. Uh, we will travel the isthmus, um, but it will be something between Tex Tubs uh, or Vintage. Nice. Uh, or if my daughter has her way, we'll be at uh, Sushi Muromoto. Um, oh, yeah. So there's a balance. Um, and uh, so like, I, I'm uh, overjoyed. I mean, when we have friends come in, um, you know, we're often at Sujio. Um, yeah. My wife's a little unhappy how often I get to go to Sujio and she doesn't. <laughs> uh, so I, if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably throw Summer Sujio Outdoor Grill as the, the best. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great one. And I got yeah. one thing for you. Yeah, I'll throw yeah. you out a bonus. Okay, um, I like it. There's an important uh, new initiative underway. This is really um, work that some of my colleagues and peers in the health tech community have been pushing. Um, the idea of really looking at Madison and saying it is a leadership hub for health IT and healthcare innovation. Um, and a lot of that uh, support and the wind at our backs obviously comes from Epic, but there are many other uh, companies that have pioneered their way through. So uh, in April of 2016 here, there'll be a, a launch of a really a new brand, a new identity for all of the companies. Forward Health, Moxie, Redox, Epic, all of them um, looking at our area under the brand name of Health Tech Capital. Oh. Um, and I just want to put in a plug that what we're building in Madison is very significant um, and it's very important. And, and I think it can not only be a great economic engine for our, our community, for the area, but I think more than that, it can really represent a real kind of advance in helping to fix healthcare. So I'm proud to be a part of it. I think it's a great initiative and, and would love to see more and more energy and support and interest flow into Madison to project out to fix things. 
Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. We didn't talk about the health tech in Mass and how that the the burgeoning community and because is that the health X kind of helped the with that group? Are yeah, there's a Mark yeah. Bakken, yeah. formerly of Nordic, now with yeah. HealthX. Yeah. He's in the mix. Yeah. UW Health's in the mix. Uh, are all they? sorts of Everyone, stakeholders wow. are in the mix. That is a. And the idea is to say, listen, we've got something here. It's important, and we need to project it out. Yeah. So interesting. Well. That's a great way to end on a high note from a, how a awesome Madison is. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Michael, for uh, coming on the show. It was a great interview. Great to meet you, man. Thanks. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flower Labs, and we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks.